brother when I was 22 to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That city always has a piece of my heart. It's one of the best cities in the world. Oh, man. Love Pittsburgh. Love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I mean, here's the difference between Philly and Pittsburgh. If you're pulled over on the side of the road, mm-hmm. Philadelphia's just going to drive by you. If you're pulled over on the side of the road in Pittsburgh, someone's going to pull over and be like, what do you need? Can I help you? Like, that's, that's, that's like one state, complete opposite sides of the spectrum. Damn. And being in Pittsburgh, I love that city. It's a small city, but it's a steel city. And they worked, you know, a steel mill there. They worked very yeah. hard to get yeah, yeah. where they got to. And now being in Pittsburgh, there's so many people moving there, but they can't build like bridges and extra roads from it because it's a city of bridges. I think the top 10 views in the world is when you're driving through the four pit tunnels and you come through the four pit tunnels and it opens up to the city of Pittsburgh. And it's this picturesque, amazing, beautiful site. And it's the top 10 beautiful sites of the United States. I love Pittsburgh for that reason. It's a small city, but everybody, it's a drinking city. Everyone takes care of each other. It's not really a drug city. It's more like you go there, like you're going to Southside Strip District. You're going to North Shore. You're going to different shows. Everyone's mostly drinking. It's like, I consider it like a hick city. Like where Philly is many different sides (laughs) of all these different spectrums. It's like, you know, you can go from this one to this one, that one. It's, it's, it's too massive. You can't really categorize it. It's just all different views. Damn. But yeah, so I did that at 16. And um, when I moved in with my brother in Pittsburgh, I actually, so my two fortes are cars and service industry. I detailed cars for four years, all by hand, no machinery, nothing. I used to be able to wax a car under eight minutes, a truck under 12 like efficiently. And it was two of us girls, my boss, you know, I love him to death. He's kind of a pervert, but I love him to death. <laughs> and he, he always wanted girls to work. Don't but when you I, hate perverts? But, By the way, no, we're all wear, perverts. Let's just be real. We're be, all perverts. Would you be wearing bikinis while you're no, 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 no. He wasn't like that. Like good, I, good. No, because no. that would be really He did, He perverted. just, he just always, I used to tell him, I was like, you're catching a case. Cause all the girls he hired were girls that were like, going through it or struggling or, you know, single moms or whatever. And you met at the bar. Like for wow. me, I actually walked into that place and like, like got the job. <laughs> so when I worked with him, he was like, you are a totally different person. I've never met a girl like you before. And I worked with him for four years and two years. It was floors. The first, the first two were floors. And then the second two years was, uh, so you have two people on different, different sides. And I did that for four years and you would start with the flooring, the door jams and everything all by hand. And then the other person was vinyl. So you were vinyl on the right and you were floors on the other. And we would just bang out like seven, eight cars a day. And if we wanted to, and that was between two of us, um, you would do all the interior. I mean, I would put like 15 gallons of water through a vehicle, like with the hose and just completely like turning a car from the value of being two grand, sorry, (laughs) the value of being a two grand to the value of being like, five seven just because of how we detailed it you know people like we would work with we did the cop cars which are the nastiest vehicles i've ever cleaned in my oh, life God. so nasty those boys are juice gross hooker gross. juice everywhere gross. yeah oh. but even not the back seat the front seat like where oh, they God. sat like gross as hell like so much food and decay and like because they live in their cars essentially you know and we would do boats yachts we would do uh business commercial different types of buses and everything school districts so I did that for four years. And then when I moved in with my brother, I did, uh, I worked at this mechanic shop down, right down the street from me. So I'd get up early in the morning, like five o'clock, walk down the hill, snow, rain, sleep, whatever, walk down the hill, get to my job, 
And it was um, like filling propane tanks. And then I also did small work on cars. So I used to do like oil changes, brakes and rotors, exhaust systems. I never did any electrical work or any engine work, but I know my basics around a car. So whenever you want to take me to get a vehicle, like I, I'm like, put it on the lift, put it on the lift. I want to see the under, I want to see the underneath. Like I know it just didn't pay the bills enough. So I decided to get the job at this place called Latitude. Well, I want it's 54 or 52 at the time, but they rebranded to Latitude 360 and it was 65,000 square foot venue and it had everything. It was like Dave and Buster's meets Cheesecake Factory meets Cigar Lounge rooftop patio. Oh my God. How was that? Oh yeah. You walked in. So you walked in and it was like, I mean, they had over 250 TVs in the place alone. Like it was massive. Sports bar? More than a sports bar. So you walked in to the left, you had a dining room of 20 tables. You went to the right, there was a cocktail area, a cocktail lounge of 18. Then down there were 20 more tables, a sports theater lounge. So they had giant, three giant massive movie TVs that did all the sports like every weekend. Then behind that was 12 bowling lanes. If you went to the left, there was like a, you know, they did like fire grilled oven pizzas, which was great. But if you walked, you kept walking back, you go to like a, it was an arcade. So you're Mm -hmm. like a mini arcade. Walk past that was a Cinegro. It was a dining moving theater. So we would get movies like two weeks after they released because we, you know, we weren't like a technical movie theater. So we couldn't get them like right then and there. So after two weeks, it had been released. We would get the movie. It's like the dollar movie theater down in Miami. Exactly. Like they get everything exactly. two weeks exactly. later. Exactly. You're going there for like a dollar. <laughs> exactly. like, just like it. that, but yeah. totally different. Mm-hmm. You still get all the same shit. It's just a dollar instead of 15. Well, I mean, it, we still charge people a lot of money, but that's what it is. <laughs> but then you go upstairs, and upstairs it was uh, the Access Bar, which was Fridays and Saturday nights we would do live bands and DJs. Hmm. So the Access Bar would hold like 500 people. Beyond that was a rooftop patio. To the left was like my forte. I was a cigar lounge girl. So I learned like the cigars we sold and paired them up with the scotches we had, the rums we had, everything like that. I would go in, I'd cut the cigars for them. Like I'm very efficient on how to cut a cigar. And I did that. And then if you go this way to like the back left was a comedy theater lounge and would would seat 400 people. So you have a comedy theater lounge. Is too. that place still there? No, no, because Holy unfortunately fuck. the owner was a dick and uh, embezzled too much money. And God, uh, he, damn, that place he, sounds amazing. So he, what he wanted to create, the first one he created was actually Jacksonville, Florida. Latitude. Oh shit! The Florida. second one was Pittsburgh. The third was Indianapolis, but they couldn't open it because they didn't have enough money. But he got all these people to invest. He wanted to be the first person to ever open up a company to not wait five years. That was the problem. Okay. Like Dave and Buster's, Cheesecake Factory, a lot of fortune companies that have a lot of money, they wait at least five years to see how the company's going to go before they open up another one. But he wanted to surpass that. So he went to Jacksonville and waited two years or something? No, I didn't go to Jacksonville. I was in Pittsburgh. No, him, him. He went to Jacksonville. Yes. They They were from Pennsylvania area, but they lived in Florida. They opened up the first one in Jacksonville, which was really successful. So then they opened up Pittsburgh, which was, but they didn't know how to counteract the summer business because in summertime in Pittsburgh, everybody's at the North Shore. They're at Southside. They're in the Strip District. They're not uh, coming to Latitude. They're not trying to be inside. In the summertime in Pittsburgh, people want to be outside drinking. I mean, Southside alone in Pittsburgh is just a four-mile strip of different bars and things that you can do. Like foods, like everything. Like I I miss the Cambodian place. I see Cambodian food. I love that place. I miss the the Yaros I used to get there. My Cantonis, that was my shout out to my Cantonis, like the best yar I ever had in my life. You know, the the original Pramanis, which the owner of Pramani Brothers, he only owns two more of them. And the other one's actually in Delray, Fort Lauderdale area. 
and he owns the one, the original oh. in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but he owns oh, like, shit. but there's like sixteen or twenty. But it's go. like the best. Like for me, I love vinegar col- like vinegar coleslaw, not mayo based vinegar. And uh-huh. it's just it's you pick your meat. It's fresh cut potato fries, the coleslaw on top. It's oh my god, it's the best thing we in the world. Go. It's that sourdough bread they home bake. It's so good. It's so good. But yeah, it's awesome. So uh, yeah, I did that for three years and. Uh, Became service and training manager for two and a half years. I had like no life. <laughs> I worked like 90 hours Who a week. Does? You got a life? I don't my, have a life. My schedule was like to do that schedule weekly. It took me, I'm not kidding, seven hours. The first time I did it was 16. By the time I got proficient at it, because I, I had 70 servers to schedule to 35. So like summertime was a lot easier because people would like leave and they're like, oh, seasonal, we're going to go somewhere else. And then in the wintertime it was 70 and I would get texts at like midnight or like calls. You have a pop-up banquet at 9am for a pizza party. And I would, I would, and I know that like, so like I started as a server. So I worked my way up within six months. I had every job code. I was dining room, sports theater, bowling, cocktail, banquet lead, banquet bartender, bartender, manager's assistant, I was doing everything in, within yeah, the six yeah. months. So I knew how to do everything. So I would, all of my friends that I worked with, they're like, I remember my buddy Mitch coming up to me. He goes, you are the first manager that I would literally clean puke off a wall for. Because I was, I was raised, like I'm thankful that the managers and the GMs that I had that I worked for, for my very first real, real job being 22, 22 to 25. You know, Bob was like not a clipboard manager. He was hands-on. He was there 15 hours a day. Okay. He would walk around, broom shit up, take class where help the bartenders do what like there was no job that was above or below him yeah. he would go behind yeah. that dish line and dish wash dishes Man, like I had, I had what needs to, to be day. done it, i was like i showed it him needs I was to be like, done. Dude, it's here. gotta be done yeah and i'm thankful mm-hmm. that i got that that training because i worked for after bob left i worked for another gm who was like this 300 pound guy who was the clipboard manager and he would get on the mic and just start delegating he'd be like <laughs> kelsey why did you let that guy walk past us with a muscle take? I said, I don't know. He's walking past you. Ask him. <laughs> like, I mean, like, got to that point. Like, I remember everybody, like, I remember my buddy, my sous chef, Mike. He was like, I can't believe you just disrespected him on Mike with eight of us on there. I'm like, I don't know. Ask him yourself. Like, I already asked him to put on a T-shirt, but he wouldn't. Like, I'm going to put a T-shirt on you. Like, come on. This doesn't make no sense. Like, you tell me, okay, great. Like, yeah, I'm just, I was like, here's a T-shirt. And I gave it to him. He just threw it over his shoulder. I'm like. When we tackle him, like <laughs> take him down, take him down. <laughs> Kelsey, you know the dress code. I'm like, yes, I know the dress code, but I can't. He's walking right past you right now. Ask him to put that t-shirt he's on. Bigger than me. <laughs> All right, he's he going... outweighs me by like a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's... not taking him down. He's closer <laughs> to you than me, so yeah. get him. But that's like the clipboard manager to me, someone who just delegates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not hands on. And my first yeah, GM, I like I, I, I mean Bob Wolfinger. Uh, shout out to Bob Wolfinger. Uh, I mean he's consulting now. He's opened up seventy restaurants in the last seven years since I've left Pittsburgh. So anytime I move back home, I always have a job with him. Il Pizziola is like his baby right now, and it's a really, really good like pizza place, like Italian restaurant. You know, makes their own limoncello. <laughs> shout out to limoncello where I work uh, at. Uh, ironic. Ironically enough, you know, <laughs> um, because you know he's like Kelsey. Anytime you move back home, like I'll let you run whatever. Just send me your application. You already know. Like I got you a job like i appreciate that about him because he is that type of manager where you respect like it's not about liking them it's about respecting them because they will do every job code that to me i can get behind that leader 100 percent. yeah when someone tells me to do something and they're just standing there so like for me i'd be like hey come help me out let me clean this wall with me you know what i mean and i would be there and i'd be like fucking scrubbing shit I remember the other GM they hired after they fired Chris. 
Chris like was this big piece of, you know, I don't want to say POS because that's ignorant, but I guess I'm he being ignorant. Po- he was a point of sales. But he was a, he was a cl- point of sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so the reason why he got fired was it was the World Cup in 2014. And we got smacked, like smacked. Like I ended up taking the hostesses and making them servers. I remember just getting on Expo line. I'm not kidding you. I had like three rings of tickets around my neck. Like imagine a 65,000 square foot venue. The entire comedy theater lounge sat 400 people. Sports theater, the bowling lanes, everything fucking sat. So I'm literally just doing Expo. And I remember (laughs) I remember Chad Wolf, my dude. He goes, this is the first time a woman's ever run this fucking, this kitchen. I'm like, yeah. I was like, come at me, bro. Let's do this. So I'm like running the kitchen, telling him I need this, this, and this. And my GM, Chris, walks out like looks at me and walks out the fucking door. And I was like, that's it. Because he was just one of those guys that everyone was mad at to begin with. They thought they picked the right person. Like, no, he just sat back and did nothing. He didn't do anything to implement anything. He spent more money than actually, you know, cost efficient kind of thing. Yeah. And then we got this other guy, Tim. And I remember, I remember going. So corporate came down to visit. And Daniel and them were like, oh, you're not going to tell corporate. I said, I will fucking tell corporate. I'm like, this is my first management position. If I get fired, I'll find somewhere else. I'm fine with it. And they were like, oh, you're not going to tell them. So I went directly to my to my associate who is, is the manager of all managers. He hired everybody. So I'm sitting with them and we go outside. I said, take your mic off. I'm taking my mic off when you have a conversation. I was like, I was getting my ass kicked on that expo line. And that my GM walked past me, saw me how bad we were sinking, and walked straight the fuck out that door. That, to me, is not a leader I can get behind. And I remember I had the next day, I didn't come in until the evening. And Daniel, I guess, he cornered Chris and cornered him like in the co- like comedy lounge. And apparently his fucking mic was on. So Daniel, all of the chefs heard <coughs> him lay into Chris, like oh, literally shit. lay into him. And he was like, we thought we chose you for the right position, blah, 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 blah. They go on and on and on. And I come in and Daniel's like, I don't know what the fuck you said, but thank you. You know what I mean? Because he walked Chris out that next day. And then, you know, the brothers. Yeah, Brent Brown, piece of shit. Kyle Brown, coolest dude ever. Not his, It's his brother, but he had no idea what Brent was doing. So Brent had like 480 cases of tax evasion because he was taking our federal taxes and using that money. So people that hadn't been there for the last year didn't receive any money because he was taking their money from them. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he did, but he had 480 counts of fucking theft on that motherfucker. But his brother, Kyle, he fired his brother like a year and a half earlier. So Kyle has no problem. I loved Kyle. Kyle was my dude. But you have two guys that try to start a business that have no idea how to run a business. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they've never been in the service industry. So like Uh Kyle would come to me. Brent would come to me and ask me like this and that. They would go to people that actually were in the industry and say, hey, how can we make this better? I remember going to Axis Bar Theater Lounge and I was like, you need to make this a double well, period. There needs to be two bartenders on here at all times. You have 400 people standing alone within one hour. You need a double well service regardless. Like, And they would, you know, Kyle would do everything that we could to make the better place, like make the place better. It was my favorite, my roommate who I live with right now, Jordan, we worked together and that was that we had a camaraderie. We would go to Downey's bar, which was right down in 15 minutes outside where I lived at Green Tree. <laughs> we go down there, Hawthorne, thank you, Hawthorne. We would go down to Downey's house and That's we would one. roll in like 32 deep. <laughs> Like, I'm not kidding you, 32 of us servers deep, at least. We had such a camaraderie and we loved and we cared about our job and we cared about each other. There was no snakeness. There was no going behind your back. Like, 
not dissing Florida, but I've had more people act like snakes than be there to build you up. And even from Philadelphia, same thing. I did not deal with that shit. Like you, either you were loyal or not loyal. Like that's what it was. Like to me, loyalty is black and white. Life is very gray, but certain things are very black and white. Mm -hmm. Loyalty to me is black and white. And being in Florida, people will be like best friends in my face. And then if you just mess up one time, they're like, I'm going to the manager and I'm telling on you. It's like, no, dude, like you come to me. You talk to me. Talk yeah. to my face first. If I mess up or did something wrong, maybe I didn't see it. So point it yeah. out, please. Just yeah. point it out. Tell me. Tell me. And I, that's what I miss about that place. That's what I'm trying to get like my line to fucking realize. I'm like, dude, if y'all got a problem, bring it up to the person you got a problem with. Don't fucking go behind the back. Don't talk shit. Don't sneak nothing. Just fucking get to that person. Exactly. That's it. Like, don't fucking bullshit. Like, that's what I love about the biz. I was like, dude, there's no time for bullshit. If you fucked up, admit to the fuck up and fix that shit. Accountability. I hate when fucking servers come in the back and be like, oh, I'm sorry. The ki- I told him the kitchen fucked up or the oh, kitchen no. fucked up. I'm like, no, 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 no. You better you go tell up. your fucking table you <laughs> fucked up. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot to ring this in. All right. I hope you've told your fucking table mm-hmm. it's going to be five minutes because you fucked up. Exactly. Not because we forgot. Can we do a, a shot of tequila years. before I sober up? A couple years. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're slanted. Let's go. Oh, I'm definitely <laughs> fucked. I fucked up. What? I'm foobarred beyond repair. We've only had two shots. <laughs> Sorry, I had to headbutt. <laughs> wow, that was badass. Man down. That was Thank badass. You. Thank you, man. Headbutt the fucking microphone, destroyed everything. Like, that was very punk rock. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you. Thank you. No he effect. said thank you. If thank you. He said thank you. If y'all didn't hear that, he said thank you. You know why I do this podcast? Because Lowe's got my back no matter what. Loyalty. Like I said, loyalty. You Rock either have it there. or you don't. Rock yeah, and roll. It's not something that you're wishy washy about. You have it or you don't. You Rock and roll. That's probably why certain jobs I've had to just leave because I'm too loyal to certain people. Are you talking about when you were an announcer for the Thunder from Down Under? So what? <laughs> Whoa, I don't know this story. What? The vagina she, story? She, she's got a giner story. <laughs> you know the giner story? Please tell, Please, tell, tell everybody. Us. Please tell small, everybody. Small room. <laughs> the world must hear the vagina. It was dark and dank. <laughs> <laughs> it was a musky day. Whoa, I didn't say musky. I mean, if you're Whoa. saying musky, I'm going to say like more like Armani, but that's, Ew. you know, <laughs> Armani code musky. <laughs> Musk. <laughs> It was an Armani day. The smell of the 70s. Exactly. It smelled like the 70s. <laughs> Late 60s. Let's call it let's call it, it boogie nights. Iridescent with a lot of shame. <laughs>